This is the Shenandoah Down Under podcast. In the final days of the American Civil War, the CSS Shenandoah set out on an epic year-long secret mission. Join your Australian hosts, Robert Love and Michael O'Brien, as they follow the last Confederate cruiser on its quest to find and sink the Yankee whaling fleet, wherever on the high sea they may find them. And hello, and this is Shenandoah Down Under, or Confederate Pirates Save the Whales, with a Robin Mob, a Robert Love, and Michael O'Brien. I'm Rob. And I'm Mob, Michael O'Brien. I, actually, I, I've never really thought that you need to, to do the I'm Michael O'Brien as well, given that I've just said with Robert Love and Michael O'Brien. Well, I've just got to make sure I know who I am, I suppose. Uh, yes, yeah, remembering that... Um, yeah, that old story where President Reagan visits an old folks' home and um, goes up to one of the old biddies and says, um, um, do you know who I am? And she says, no, I don't, but um, if you don't, there's a nice man over there who will tell you. <laughs> so, yes, there, there you go. Hopefully I'm not at that stage yet, but uh, the Australian treasurer the other day said that everyone was going to live to 150, so maybe I'll get to that point at some uh, stage. Well, with, with the aches and pains I have with my, my recent birthday getting me to the age of 51... Um, I don't know that I really want to live to 150. And besides, that was all, that was only for people born today, and also assuming that we have you know, major, major medical breakthroughs. Well, there you go. So let's go back 150 years, Rob, yes. to uh, the Shenandoah, which is sailing around the world. And where are we now? Where are we now? We are sailing across the Southern Ocean um, towards Australia. And I think on the the actual uh, 20th of January um, 1865, we were at 30, uh, 39 degrees or so um, south. 38 degrees south. 38 degrees south. Yeah, 30, 38 degrees north would be somewhere completely different in the world. I think that's where that uh, Union cruiser is looking for them about this point. <laughs> And 119 degrees, um, is it east, northeast? 126 degrees. Here I am. I'm actually checking the ship's log, which I'm now holding up to the uh, to the microphone. No, 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 no not the ship's log. It is it is uh, Whittle's journal. Oh, it's Whittle's journal from. Although, uh, from um, given that he probably made up the ship's log, uh, or at least gave. Um, uh, Waddell, the the things to put in the ship's log, they're they're, they're probably um, they're very similar. The the ship's log has in fact been released um, as one of a hundred documents about the uh, the Confederate War, and I did have a look at online, except unfortunately I found it. I have trouble reading grown-ups writing at the best of times, and grown-ups writing in cursive script in a one hundred and fifty-year-old book that had been around the world. I'm afraid I, I couldn't really imagine what doctor's that. prescription is going to look like 150 <laughs> years from now. I ask the Australian treasurer. So um, that puts us heading towards where? Well, basically, that that puts us heading towards Australia. Now, as of uh, uh, the period we're covering in, in this in this episode is from about the 14th of January um, 1865 to the 20th of January 1865, and as of this point. Um, Waddell has not actually announced to the crew that they are going to Australia. On the other hand, it must be becoming increasingly likely that it's, it's either Australia or New Zealand or Antarctica. He did tell someone back at Tristan de Cahuna, Tristan didn't he? Tristan de Cahuna, yes, yes, but again, his, his crew know nothing of that. Um, 
so when when you are in in the uh, in the middle of the southern ocean um Australia is starting to firm as as you know one of the 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 very few entries on a a very short list of places that you you could possibly, possibly and they might to. even end up at a place where there are more people than sheep yes well i'm not not sure if that was quite true about New Zealand at that time. But, uh, but of course, the Shenandoah had already been to New Zealand to deliver troops to the Maori War. But, um, again, it's uh, presuming Whittle knew that. Um, he might have thought that they might be quite unpopular if they arrived at New Zealand <laughs> in, in exactly the same ship that had brought mercenaries to... Or, on the other hand, they, it might have been a brilliant social success because presumably the, the mercenaries were, were fighting on behalf of the white settlers there who would uh, possibly be not quite, uh, quite pleased to see it. But, yes, um, Australia or... Um, Antarctica, which they weren't going to go to, um, although they got close enough to pick up a penguin, um, or New Zealand. And, um, of course, um, in, in, in Melbourne, not precisely in Melbourne itself, although you do occasionally see a lost uh, penguin in Melbourne. Uh, but we actually have penguins down at Phillip Island, which is an island um, very slightly to the north of, uh, of Melbourne, and they have their own colony of, of penguins there. So, so, so Melbourne is is south enough that um, we, we are reasonably close to some penguins. I think Phillip Island's not north of Melbourne because that would put it somewhere inland, Rob. You, you are you are quite right. You are quite. We right. can get the correct latitude and longitude of Phillip Island. I think it's more to the southeast, but uh, it it does have a, a small a small colony of what are called fairy penguins, I believe, which are the smallest of the penguins. What sort of penguin did they pick up um, last week, though? Did the, do we know what species it was? We absolutely do not, because they, they were not the sort of people. Surgeon Lining was not like Surgeon Maturin, who gave the exact species. In fact, they, they so far um, did not work out the correct species of the penguin, because they were more concerned with um, wrapping a piece of rag around its head so it looked like an old lady with a shawl. So this is not the voyage of the beagle, this, is this it, is, Rob? This is not the voyage of the beagle. Charles Darwin spent very little time during his voyage uh, making penguins up to look like old Making women. comedy uniforms making, for, making for, for comedy. the uh, specimens he got, yes. Although I think um, um, comedy uniforms for penguins does surely have to be the name of a name of a blog somewhere so um yeah um i think there's a whole film franchise based on that isn't there or <laughs> something to do with madagascar but anyway uh, yeah I, I actually took my four-year-old to see um the penguins from madagascar and because we took um his aunt along who hasn't seen uh, his great aunt along who hasn't seen all of these movies and the, the question I'm getting from grandmothers and great aunts is, are there any penguins on Madagascar? And then you have to say, no, but that is a sequel to a previous movie where penguins hijacked a ship and sailed to Madagascar. And, and stole the movie too, by and, the way. And, and absolutely stole the movie, which is, which is why they're, they're getting their own spin-off movie. Um, which, uh, so McDonald's at, at the moment um, has penguins of Madagascar toys. So it's actually... Um, yeah, very appropriate for the Shenandoah at the moment that there are, there are lots of plastic penguins uh, floating around. Uh, archaeologists in 150 years are going to be very confused, aren't they? Particularly when, you know, penguins are probably... Um, well, they might even be extinct with global warming, but well, who knows? Yes, but the, the, the closer an animal gets to extinction, um, the less endangered are the plush toys made of that animal. Oh, well, the... Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so, so, you know... The, don't worry too much about the tigers because there, there are millions of uh, there are millions of plush tigers. Um, 
Okay, so I think we've established that I don't, I don't know where Philip Island is, <laughs> and uh, but we, we, we have also so, established that that the Shenandoah is travelling towards Australia. But and um, this I think will be a um, addition, emendation, um, attribution, um, etc. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young um, from 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 last week because last week. Um, uh, Lieutenant Whittle paired with the captain a, a secret plan to pick up three three or four prizes, but the captain would hear nothing of it. Now, at the time, um, we thought that maybe Whittle had been planning a, a grand raid on Fremantle, which... Which is a port in Western Australia. Which is a port in Western Australia. Um, it's also renowned as a port uh, from which a Yankee, um, Yankee ship had, had set in... A number of years before, I think, um, perhaps in the the 1840s or the 1850s, and um, some Fenian um, convicts had uh, had escaped, and and then as now there were strong links between the uh, the, the Fenian the Irish movement um, in, in Ireland and and in in New York, something that carried through to the present day. So um, uh, an, an American ship uh, set into set into Fremantle called the Catalpa, I believe, mm-hmm. um, picked up. Seven um, Irish prisoners and and promptly scarpered with them, uh, releasing them from servitude. So um, an American ship setting into Fremantle and yeah, setting fire to some ships there would probably be a, been very unpopular. But um, uh, having a look at uh, I'm, I'm holding Sea of Grey by uh, Tom Chaffin up to the microphone mm-hmm. and, and riffling the pages. I, I think we're actually going to have to get a Foley artist in to do our, um, our page riffling. Our effect. page riffling, yes. It, because You it, do it, it with like a wet lettuce, don't you? It, no, that's punches. That, that punches. Uh, because a- actually holding a book up to the microphone and actually riffing the pages uh, makes it sound like, like absolutely nothing like flipping pages in, in reality. Uh, but um, Tom, Tom Chaffin um, says that we're... Um, there was suppos- strong supposition on the um, on the ship that the place to go was Cape Lewin, um, which is at the the very tip of Western Australia. It is the most southwest point of the Australian continent. Well, I better not talking about southwest because I'll, I'll, I'll make it north by northeast before, <laughs> before, before we know what we're doing. Um, but it's a place where um, whalers used to to stop off. I think I think stop off on their way to to wherever they were going. Well, but there was there's a port very close by called Augusta, which okay. was a whaling port. I've actually yes. been there, um, and uh, it was a very blustery day while we were down there. It's 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 down the road from the very pleasant wine region of Margaret River in Western Australia. Oh, there you go. And uh, yeah, whaling was a very big industry in that uh, corner of the Australian continent back in in these times. Back in those times, although of course it would almost entirely have been um, Australian whaling ships, which um, the Shenandoah would, would not have been keen to uh, to sink. But um, uh, Yankee whaling ships would, would often hang around there. So I, I think without without knowing, but I, I think it's entirely possible that, that Whittle would have come up with a plan to, to dash into to Cape Lewin and um, take some prizes. Uh, but um, Waddell, whatever the idea was, Waddell, Waddell kiboshed it. So... Um, uh, basically, the, the Shenandoah then then continued um, sailing across. This did nothing for the cordial relations between uh, captain and first officer. I'd have to say did, this did, did uh, yes, absolutely nothing. Now, uh, another thing I'd like to do as part of um, 
additions, amendations, uh, updates, etc., is um, we've already um, uh, in the last couple of weeks we've we've been following the career of the the unfortunate Lieutenant Chu, the the ex pharmacist who gave up drugs to to go to the sea. To his regret. To his regret, and and we've basically been been finding out that um, so he, he went he went to sea at, as an adult. He had some. Some undefined twist with a with a local judge that let him to get a commission, even though he was already a, a grown man when he went to sea. And we're saying, um, you know, as Lieutenant Chu, he seems to be a bit of a bit of a chew toy. But um, he's the one, if you recall from uh, previous weeks, that the captain said that he didn't neither respected his rank nor his person, which is yes. pretty fighting words. Yes. And um, now, now we also we also in a previous episode mentioned the. Um, Lieutenant uh, Dabney Minor Scales, although um, uh, Tom Sheffern just gives his name as Lieutenant Scales when mentioning him so that we don't have to laugh every time his name is mentioned. <laughs> but uh, Lieutenant Scales and Lieutenant Chu were basically the people who had to prove their um, prove their worth as seamen. Um, uh, and, and Waddell was down on uh, on Chu. But uh, and I'm quoting here from Tom Sheffern... Um, but in fairness to Captain Waddell, the hapless 23-year-old shoe had also established himself as a jinx, if not something worse. And something worse, he's not even saying it, but maybe a Jonah. A ship's Jonah. A ship's oh, Jonah. dear. Yes, yes. Um, three days before Waddell's order to remove the lieutenant from his watch, Lining noted, Shoe is a most unfortunate fellow. If anything happens, it is sure to be in his room. In Chu's cabin that day, a slop tub, a vessel for wastewater from his wash basin, was wash basin capsized. Like oh, um, uh, Rob, I think that's euphemistically you and politely euphemistic? saying, you know, the chamber pot. The, the, the chamber pot or the, the slops bucket or the yes, yes. Making a perfect wreck of his quarters. When the surgeon went topside to tell Chu of the accident, so he's going up, upstairs to tell Chu that, that there's, you know, urine all over his cabin. Or worse. He found him airing the contents of his sea trunk, but before Lining could report the news, a gust of wind overturned the trunk, sending Chu's cherished letters and other documents over the ship's rail. Oh, dear. Two days later, Lining noted as a raider listed in heavy seas, deck officer Chu made a slide to leeward and nearly went overboard, losing in the process his officer's cap. Oh, no. I, I, don't, think, I don't think you want as an ex-pharmacist... You don't want to be telling Captain Waddell that you've lost your cap, especially when Captain Waddell has um, has instituted a dress code, which means yes, he's been to, a stickler, hasn't he, he? He's been a stickler, so he's lost his cap. Um, yeah, look, oh, I don't know, really, he may as well just just jumped in after it. I mean, clearly things aren't going to go well for him. Uh, but um, so, so our poor Lieutenant Chu is um, is yes, something of a Jonah. And, and causing consternation. He is a chew toy indeed, uh, for the, um, for the fates and for the officers of the, of the Shenandoah. Oh, that's very sad. So on the, uh, on the 16th of January, we had, uh, the birthday of the first officer. Oh, Mr. Yes. Whittle. And he turned, what, he, he says that he, he, he said, I am getting right ancient. And you know how old he turned? It was twenty-five. Um, okay, so, so yeah, so he was twenty-five. A lieutenant Chu was twenty-three, and probably an elderly lieutenant. 
So, so does, does he? I mean, okay, we know we know we're dealing with with forty, and I think I think lining again, being a surgeon, you know, that takes a little while. I think he was twenty nine, but um, but yeah, that, that, I think that that's old for a for somebody who fights in a war. Whereas, you know, re- recent movies we, we've we've talked previously about um, uh, Fury, the 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 recent movies, the tank movie, the tank movie starring Brad Pitt, and. Um, it is interesting that, that, that I mean, Brad Pitt is fifty. He doesn't look fifty, but he does look an extraordinarily well-preserved thirty. And and all of the crew in that tank look look in their early thirties, except for the person playing the kid who actually looks twenty-two. Yes, and, and again, in real wars, nobody calls it the twenty-two-year-old the kid. They no, call he's him, the old man. He's the old man. Yes, yeah, you know, it, it, it's. Uh, uh, so Whittle says that he's uh, he's 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 getting right ancient. He has, though, as we've we've talked about in previous episodes, had a pretty exciting war up to date, perhaps more than anybody else on board. So he's seen a lot in his his twenty five years, but he's definitely uh, he's definitely feeling it on that day. Um, he, of course, in the same entry, talks about how he uh, he misses Patty, he misses Patty, his, his dear sweetheart back home. But then, very interestingly, a little bit later on, he has a very interesting chat with Mrs. Nichols. Now, if you remember, Mrs. Nichols is the wife of uh, a... Captain Nichols. Captain Nichols. Yes. Uh, they were captured uh, a couple of weeks ago with their, with their young son. Mm-hmm. Phineas. Phineas, yes, yes. Yes. Eight years old, I believe. And uh, she actually has a chat to him... Which I think is is very interesting. She says, uh, and again, so so this is coming. So the, the previous quotation was from Sea of Grey by Tom Chaffin, and this is coming from uh, the is, Voyage of the Sea of Shenandoah, a memorable cruise. Yes, this uh, is uh, this is um, Mr. Whittle's own journal, and he says, "This morning I was standing by the wardroom door, and Mrs. Nichols came up and commenced talking to me. She said." Well, Mr. Whittle, I trust that we may soon have peace. I concurred the hope. Then she said, Do you think we can ever be friends? I said, No, madam, never. (laughs) But, Mr. Whittle, if after the peace was made you were to meet me, you would speak to me? Certainly, madam, I would speak at any time to a female. But would you not speak to my husband? I simply said, I might do so, as he has never served against us. Oh, he's being very stern, isn't he? He is being very stern. She was admiring the uniform cap of our men and wondered if she could make one. I replied, no, for it was woven. She said she would like of all things to have one. I think there's some serious high-grade flirting going on here. Um... I, I think there's some serious high-grade flirting, but but what what the motive is... To what end? To, to what end? She yes. said this in such a way that I was forced to yield and said that I thought I could get one for her. She thanked me a little, but when she gets it, she will thank me more. The truth is that I can at all times know how to deal with men, but not always with women. Now, I think that's very well, interesting. I, I, I think there's a lesson there for all of us, except um, I don't have the how to deal with men bit either. So, um. 
He says here, now I contend that one of our southern women would have done no such a thing as this she would have cut her hands off. Such is a marked difference. If I had given her a cap, I have no doubt she would have handed it over to her husband and he would probably have sold it and considered his wife a smart one. That's what he's saying about, you know, what a a Confederate woman would do under the circumstances. Now, one of the other officers, Mr. Grimble, who overheard the conversation that, from his that room... That is the problem. That is the problem with being on ship, that you've got no privacy. Yes. He, he said he tells it as a very good joke of me and said that I was too yielding and asked him to refer all prisoners to me when he did not grant them a thing. And he said that he was going to tell in Annapolis how he flirts with the Yankee prisoners and would, would tell his sweetheart, Patty... Well, um, a for a start, um, he does. Yes, obviously, no, no, no gentleman would uh, would would, uh, would would inform on uh, another gentleman's fiance. So he's, but I think that makes Lieutenant Grimble sounds like like one of those chaps who thinks he's being funny all the time, but but he so isn't. Yes, poor poor Whittle ends by writing, I contend that with any woman who has so little de- delicacy as to place a gentleman in the fix I am, he has a perfect right to consider the promise as not made, and on this principle I will let the cap alone. So he's he's really got himself oh, so, in so, the fix So here. he makes a promise to a lady, he gets, he gets chaffed by his mates, and then he decides to go back on the promise. No, no, I'm sorry. No, no. As, as a southern gentleman, if you make a promise to a lady, you have to keep that promise. Yes. Um, and Patty's going to hear all about it, no doubt. Oh, poor, poor old, poor old Patty. Now, I wonder what Mrs. Nichols was after. I look. It, it sounds to me like it, like she was perfectly um, embarrassing Mr. Whittle and um, and enjoying the hell out of it, as and, far and, as and I can and, see. And enjoying the hell out of it, because of course you know she was a. A comparatively elderly married woman of 26, so a, a whole year older than him. So, um, <laughs> yes, again, I, 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 I think in the movie, um, much would be made of... Um, except I, I, I yes, I, I, I still can't help feeling, as I felt last week, that in the movie, Mr Nichols would suddenly prove to have died two <laughs> months ago. And, uh, and now, now, Mrs uh, Nichols is the one that uh, another crew member... Writes as as having a improper relationship with the captain. Well, uh, again, I, I think that if you're if you're a, a northern woman captured on a southern ship, um, and and you are obviously have some some personal charms, um, you've been quite humiliatingly. Uh, she was described as a large and handsome woman, not at her death's door, even though her husband tried to claim that, so well, she couldn't be bought over. That was now that that was in in. Um, in Waddell's memoirs, um, large and handsome, but I, I think I think Whittle added actually 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 pretty to that. So mm. she she was, and of course large had a, a much more complimentary um, <laughs> back in the nineteenth century. You you, know, you 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 wanted your women to be large. That was uh, that was a, that was a sign a sign of beauty. Uh, but getting getting back to that, I think if you're a twenty six year old um, woman who's just seen. Your husband's ship burnt to the water, and you are held prisoner on a Confederate ship. I think the absolute best way to sow dissension and annoyance among the ranks of the officers is by flirting in turn with each of them, <laughs> and then uh, you know, getting them to promise to give you caps and, and stuff like that. And uh, so, so I, I think um, 
uh, Mrs. Nichols is doing her bit for the war effort. That's, that's, that's my take on that. Good for her. So uh, at about the same time, they managed to uh, capture a potential prize. And this is a British ship that's called the Nimrod, but when they look at it, they're almost certain that it's a Yankee-built a Yankee built ship. Yep. And when the captain uh, comes over, a jolly Englishman by the name of Captain Finlay... Yes. Um, he claims that, oh, yes, yes, this used to be a Yankee ship. It was called the uh, Cinco Panza out of New Orleans, or the Sancho Panza. Sancho Panza. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's different ways that it seems to be written. But interestingly, he cannot find in any of the ship's papers any sort of bill of sale. Now, normally this would be uh, perfect grounds to have the ship burned to the water. Yep. But... I suspect that Captain Finlay must have been a man of considerable charm because, for one thing, that he said that his wife and his sympathies were Southern. Yes. He sends over half a dozen bottles of brandy as a present and then they decide that they're going to put him under oath where he swears blind that the ship is actually been transferred to, uh, to, to British ownership and they let him go, which I think is very interesting because there are, there are other times when they are by no means as uh, as accommodating. So it must be down to uh, Captain Finlay's charisma in this case, I think. Well, uh, it it also might well, well, who knows? But I mean, it also might have been that they they didn't want to catch a prize too close to to Australian. And therefore, British territorial waters. I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but um, yeah. Well, well. Yeah, so instead of burn them, burn them. It's uh, your good health. Um, thank you, thank you, good sir, and be on your way. Interestingly, know. though, um, they don't transfer Mrs. Nichols and the rest of the prisoners on onto onto this ship, and it's allowed to go on its way. It's a very, very interesting encounter, unlike uh, uh, many of the others. Well, if, if if they genuinely were southern sympathisers, then you, you you wouldn't want to land all the prisoners on them. And and, and again, I mean, if, if this is by, do you know exactly what 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 day this, this was? That was on the seventeenth of January. Seventeenth of January. Okay. Well, you know, Waddell um, at least knows that um, in a week he'll be able to drop his prisoners off in a civilized port. In a, in a yes, in a civilized port. So that's, that's probably not well, such hopefully a... in a week's time, because the next day. Uh, my namesake, the chief officer, uh, the chief engineer O'Brien, reports that the propeller is bung again. And this has happened because rather than going under sail, um, yes. the captain's decided he wants to go pretty much in, in as straight a direction as possible to where he's going and puts the propeller down, gives it a good going, and uh, unfortunately all the work they've tried to do to make it uh, work better has, has not been successful. Oh dear! So so the the propellers cracked. The propellers cracked again. Now, now again, with with the benefit of 150 years of hindsight, uh, we know that Waddell wanted to get to Melbourne uh, by the 26th when the steam packet was going to be uh, leaving to go to to um, England. So that was the um, the very quickest way that he would be able to get letters back to his commander, Mr. Bullock, uh, that he that he's made it to Melbourne. 
Hope you had a nice Christmas, you know. Taken lots of prizes. Taken lots of flown prizes. Flown the flag. Flown the flag. Lots of chronometers. Met the people at Kristen, Tristan de, de Kahuna. Tristan de Kahuna. Got so, a very nice penguin. Got a, got a nice penguin. Um, so Waddell knew that he wanted to get to Melbourne by the 26th. So, yes, he, he made the decision to use the, the engine even though it was bung. And only made it worse. So did they? Did they haul the engine out onto the spanker boom again? They did, and they had a look at it. And basically, uh, Chief Engineer O'Brien said, "It cannot go, sir. Um, I'm not a miracle <laughs> worker." Or, or words to that effect. Yes, pull out all the uh, tropes and cliches from uh, from Star Trek or whatever. It ain't happening. Yes. So basically, uh, they've got a problem. They've the big problem about not having the propeller work is, of course, if they're ever chased by a Union warship and they can't get away under sail, yes, um, they're stuffed. There is one bit of good news, and that is that they'd been spending quite a bit of time over the last couple of weeks working out the problem of having all this ammunition scattered about the ship in inappropriate places like under the captain's bunk. Yes. And they've finally managed to construct a magazine and by now have moved all of the uh, all of the ammunition and gunpowder and so on into the magazine. That makes them feel a little bit more comfortable. A little bit more comfortable, although um, they, they must have had some of the, the gunpowder under... You know, at least not lying around the deck because they they, they, they were allowed allowing the crew to smoke. Remember, for the, for the first week or so after the ship commissioned, the crew were, were not were not allowed to smoke, which was probably the the, the, the genesis of uh, Lieutenant Whittle deciding that to, the, to give up. There might have been the, there might have been one of those very special smokers' spots that yes, you know yes, you yes. see outside public buildings <laughs> these days. So yeah, so uh, pretty much by the twentieth of January. We've got the ship heading towards Melbourne. There, uh, they definitely need to know they've got to get this propeller fixed when they're there. They're yeah. still, they're still uh, very much undercrewed. So hopefully they're going to pick up some well, crew when not, they get there. Not so there. much undercrewed as the crew they have are giving them a very hard time. Yeah, well, they still don't have enough crew to sail the ship and, as they say, fight the ship. Right, okay. So they can do one or the other, but not both. Not both. Not so, both so, successfully. Yeah, so if, if, if they come up against a really determined prize, I would have to sail up and hail over up. Could you guys stop for a minute while we change the fighting mode? And, and Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the fact that they've been picking up um, fairly easy prizes so far. Is, um, so um, we're heading into a, a pretty exciting part of the, the story, especially mm. for us being Australians from yes. Melbourne, because uh, they're going to be heading very much towards the Australian coast. We talked um, a few weeks ago, we presaged the fact that they'll be heading towards the shipwreck coast yes. of Australia, yes. sailing through there. They'll be coming to Melbourne and... Uh, that's something we're very much looking forward to uh, podcasting about in yes, coming weeks. And in fact, um, uh, we are, uh, well, look, I'm, I'm going to say it right now, that we are going to do our first on-location podcast um, on the 25th. So it's, it's the 20th today, so our next episode will be recorded a little early. On the 25th, we're going to be doing live, live podcasting. On location. On, on location at the heads, uh, at the heads of Port Phillip Bay. And um, which will probably mean we'll we'll put the laptop and the microphone out on a um, on a picnic table for five minutes before before being blown 
blown back into our into our quarters, but we are going to do it. So it will be a a first thing for um, for our podcast, which um, I may have mentioned this before, is Shenandoah Down Under or Confederate Pirates Save the Whales. Soon coming to you on from live outside broadcast from Robin Mob, Robert Love, and Michael O'Brien. I'm Rob, and I'm Mob, and we'll say. Tally-ho. Tally-ho, and I'm stealing uh, John Coleman's line from a few weeks ago. Ahoy.